episode of Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. I'm your sister co-host, Elizabeth Connor. And I'm your brother co-host, Thomas Dempsey. And while Thomas was dealing with some technical difficulties on his side, we were just yeah. chit-chatting about the weather. Oh, yeah. We got a uh, big old storm coming our way. Hopefully, uh, don't get too rough because we've got a big trip. Uh, coming up that we sort of planning around I guess decent travel conditions yeah yeah it's not like we've never been on vacation at places that were sort of under the weather but uh, I you know it's been a while since we've gone everywhere somewhere as a family so mm-hmm. kind of like to enjoy it to the full effect right yeah um yeah I mean, this is our first this is, I mean, obviously, this is our first, like, on-the-road trip since uh, since COVID started. And I guess, like, the last real, like, big trip, apart from just, like, I think visiting y'all last New Year's, mm-hmm. was uh, your stepson uh, Christopher's graduation. Yeah, you came down for that. Well, it was mom? No, 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 mom, mom and dad and, were here. No, for mom, dad, mom and dad were not there for that. You know what? What am I thinking of? Now, y'all I... came down in March, like for a couple of Andrews baseball games. Yeah, I guess I'm just weirdly conflating those events. Time is weird. Yeah, time is weird. Oh boy. But yeah, uh, looking forward to seeing everybody again. Yeah, we'll just uh, be safe on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, it's not going to be so much a problem for y'all since you wouldn't be coming up until the later... Well, not later, but like a few days afterwards. Yeah, so y'all are coming up... Well, I guess I guess for our listeners, um, we're going on a vacation to the beach. And it's our first family vacation in like 10 years. Uh, yeah, our first big family yeah, vacation. Yeah, like big yes. one, like longer than a weekend. Yeah, everything uh, in the interim has just sort of been like staying in a hotel while visiting y'all for the weekend or having y'all come up to visit us. It's never been all of us going somewhere for the purposes of vacating. Yeah, Um, I guess the longest amount of time we've spent together just within the last couple years was when Brian and I were up there, well, because Grandma passed away. (laughs) Yeah, that was that was about five days. Yeah, we were up there for off and on. We were up there for like a week. Right. Um, so. So yeah, uh, Hurricane Ian, don't ruin our vacation plans. Please. Um, but yeah, so that's, y'all are coming up. Y'all are coming up Saturday. I have to work that Monday. Um, it's a teacher work day in my school district, and so Brian and I are gonna come up. Tuesday. Yeah. That'll be cool. Yeah. And uh, we were renting a house, and so there'll be plenty of room for everybody. Yep. And I think Dad said Uncle Andy was going to come by maybe at some point and that we might do some smoking. Uh, food. Uh, oh. Ribs or something. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Not what I that was is... thinking. I was yeah, very surprised. Is... That's a pretty cheesy misunderstanding. Wow. 
Wow. But yeah, we're looking forward to uh, like going to a couple of interesting restaurants. I think Mom wants to check out the Burger Fi down that way because she ain't been to one of those since I was in Atlanta. Yeah. And I think she really came to like it. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I was gonna do some grilling while we're there because I ain't grilled anything in months. Yeah. I've got the itch. Like, I'm not gonna lie, like, the thing I'm looking forward to, like, the most on this vacation is, like, cooking in a different place. Yeah. And That's not having, fun. and, but, like, I ain't doing the dishes. Sure. Um, but yeah, that, like, and, and I just, I, I can tell I'm in my 30s that, like, that's what I'm excited about, is I'm, like, I'm excited that I get to be within walking distance to the beach, and I get to cook yeah. in a different place. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the beach. I need to buy some new swim trunks. You could do what Brian does and just, like, wear athletic shorts. Yeah, I guess so. Um. Mm. So, yeah, so we got the vacation coming up. Uh... Violet has an appointment with her surgeon on Thursday. Okay. This is her six-week follow-up. Yeah, it's her, it's her six-week follow-up. Um, right, so she doing? she's been doing great. Uh, this past Saturday, we took her to the farmer's market. She was a big hit. Everyone wanted to pet her. She got lots of attention. Um, she was pretty yes. worn out when we got home, though, but she did great. There's some there's some stairs there, so she was able to go up and down the stairs just fine. Um, she has some trouble. She had a little bit of trouble just like getting in and out of the car, but it's easier than it was. Well, that's good at least. So and, we've, and the place we're staying doesn't have stairs, so it'll be easy on her. Yeah, so that's good. Um, yeah. But yeah, so this is what I think is going to happen at this appointment is she's going to get some x-rays taken and they're going to kind of like give her the okay to do some more movement. So like, I guess if she wants to run, she'll have the clearance to run. Okay. She has been much more playful. Well, that's good. I guess I'd never thought about it like that, having to restrict her movement in that way. Yeah. And I mean, She's still kind of used to, like, laying around a lot from when she was hurt. But, like, you can just tell... You can tell she feels better because she... She wants to play. She brings us her toys a lot more often. She wants us to, like, engage her in play and, like, throw her toys so she can go get them. But, like I said, she hasn't been cleared for running. So, we don't... We might just kind of, like, gently toss the toy, like, two feet away. Right. How how's how do you deal with like zooming fits? Does she, she doesn't. Have any of those? She hasn't had any of those um, since she okay. tore her left ACL. Okay. Well, I mean that that's good at least. Yeah. Not not that uh, she's not having them, but that she's not like running the risk of injuring herself by having them. Right. Yeah. But uh, our 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 pets are doing fine. Feisty's getting about to be as big as any of them yeah Uh, i think i gotta start easing off on the kitten food she's over a year old at this point and i know that's about the cutoff date yeah you can start uh, transitioning to adult food yeah i mean i'm pretty sure she gets by on eating whatever the other cats are because 
I mean, I just don't put out that much kitten food mm -hmm. for her to get. Certainly not enough for her to be gaining the mass that she has. Mm -hmm. Like she's, a, I think, a little bigger than Feisty now or Flash now. Okay. And I honest, I wonder if Flash wasn't premature. Because I know she was small when you found her, but she was. Yeah. And she's a she's a good sized cat now, but all the same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see, anything else been going on? Uh, I was real sick last week. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. So, Did you ever find out what it was? It was just some sort of virus, like. Tuesday, like, I mean, like, my allergies had been bothering me, like, early on in the week, so I didn't really think anything of it, like, Tuesday when I was like, man, I'm really tired, so I went to bed, and then Wednesday, well, no, I woke up at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning, Wednesday morning, yep. and I had, like, upset stomach, and was miserable, and could not go back to sleep, and was hot, and... Anyway, I, I texted my boss at like 4.30 that morning and was like, I, I don't know what is wrong with me, but I'm sick and I can't come to work. I have okay. not felt that sick. I don't think ever. Not even since you had, not even when you had COVID? No, that whatever, whatever virus this was, was worse than COVID. Hmm. Um, the only thing that kind of, that kind of, is similar was back when I was living at home and I was like the music director at church and I had some sort of virus and I was running like this crazy high temperature and I showed up to choir practice in pajamas and like led choir practice and then immediately went home and failed to fall asleep because I was burning up. Wow. Worst I, worst I can recall being sick is of course goes without, goes with, goes without saying is the, uh, the whole rotavirus incident. Yeah. Uh, is it rotavirus? Or... I think so. Yeah. I know there's a norovirus. I don't think it was that severe. No, it began with an R, whatever it was that you had. Yeah, it was a rotavirus. Yeah. And uh, got that my first semester of college. And uh, was like just out, out of it straight for a weekend. Yeah. And then just sort of suffered the ramifications of it for like a good like several months afterwards i think just in terms of like nerves and like regaining my strength mm -hmm. it was a whole ordeal cats y'all are ridiculous yep. yeah i feel good having a room over here where i can like record away from them So, uh, let's see, that, that's a couple of, oh, well, speaking of getting sick, I actually had a, a, a uh, incommunicado day last week. I just started having a headache uh, while I was at work, and I took some stuff for it, but it didn't seem to make too much of a dent. Then I mm -hmm. took some more stuff when I got home, uh, and then took a nap for a few hours, and usually the goal is to fall asleep with a headache or whatever and then wake up feeling better yeah didn't have that still had the headache and what's more had like the nap uh lethargy yeah so i was i was awake basically long enough to get dinner in me 
Okay. I wasn't. I was feeling a little nauseous, almost like a, like when you get dehydrated. Uh huh. And. But then I just like took a bottle of water and went back to sleep and woke up, getting on towards like eleven thirty, and that time I got to feeling better. Okay. But it was just the weirdest thing. It's like a little hit and run. Hmm. I I, ne- I didn't check if I had a fever or not, but uh, didn't feel feverish. I just felt sort of gross. Well. But uh, yeah, that's what the people love to hear is. <laughs> yep. Been just sort of kicking around, enjoying my last few days of employment. That's right. When's this your Friday. last day? Thursday? Friday? This Friday is my last day. So I'll literally be um, working the lunch shift then and then coming home and getting ready to leave. All right. Because we're uh, heading off the next day. Yep. That was sort of the plan. I wasn't sure when we would be leaving on vacation, but I knew that my last day of work would be the last Friday of Oct- of September. Uh-huh. So I gave notice like two months ago, so. And they've actually had some success in finding new, uh, new employees at that place. Yeah. So I'm not totally leaving them in a lurch, which I guess was the whole point of giving them so much notice. Right. But uh, it's just... Delivery driving is a hard position to staff for because in addition to like needing somebody with reliable transportation, you mm-hmm. also got to have them like be committed to it mm-hmm. and uh, not to like knock on people's reasons for like not sticking with a job, especially in like this economy. But it's like you'd have people show up for like a day and then just sort of like not show up again yeah yeah so that it's working out okay honestly uh, i'm not sure if i've said anything to this effect before but i think a a not insignificant part of me staying there as long as i have was just the concern that if i did leave that they'd be under within a month (laughs) (laughs) or at the very least have to like stop doing deliveries whereas capable for us like equipped as they'd be to carry them out uh-huh but uh yeah i think they'll be okay <laughs> they'll be okay yeah so uh you want to talk some books we can talk as we can talk books as much as possible oh do you not have anything to talk about <laughs> just just the challenge all right well same here <laughs> That's pretty sweet. I, uh, I've got other stuff that I'm reading, but uh, and I certainly expect to have more to talk about next episode. Yeah. What with uh, having the time and whatnot. But uh, yeah, this time I really just made a go of focusing up on the book at hand. So uh, if you're content with having this be maybe a little bit shorter of an episode than usual. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, we can go ahead and go to a break and then come back to talk about it. Alright, sounds good. I, I have to readjust my earbuds so it might hang up on you. Okay, that's fine. Hey, welcome back. Hey. I tell you what, All like, right. you know, well, I guess we need to come back in. Sure. 
Okay. Oh, that's as good as comeback as any. Okay, cool. So, before the show, we were discussing earbuds, because I was telling Thomas that my good earbuds that I love, my $40 ones that I got off of Amazon, um, I need to charge them. So, I'm having to use my crappy ones that are oh, yeah. that can't hold a charge, and they're so freaking sensitive um, that every time I like go to adjust it, it hangs up the phone call. Right. That I'm like, because the, the crappy ones are like AirPod knockoffs. Yeah. And I'm like, man, if if AirPods are like this, like, I don't I don't see spending that kind of money on them. Sure. Yeah, I've been needing, uh, my, my earbuds aren't so bad, but I think it's more of a problem with the, uh, the charging case. Uh-huh. It almost seems to, like, be inconsistent in terms of, like, how strong or how content steady a charge it's giving them at any given moment yeah so that alone is almost or like making me consider getting a new pair but for the time being they're working all right there was one other thing i wanted to talk about before we talk about books go ahead do you know the try guys yeah i know about the try guys yeah they they keep they keep ned out oh no i mean i don't okay real talk I don't know who the Dry Guys are. I, I know of them. So okay. if you tell me they kicked Ned out, that's like saying... That's like... I don't know. Like some New Direction type talk. One so Direction. You mean One Direction? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, so... I don't know all of their names. I just know their faces. And... Sure. So Ned is the guy who like is married and loves his wife and has basically made it his entire personality. Oh. Okay. That he loves his wife. And guess what Ned oh, did? Oh. I, I saw a TikTok about this. Somebody was riffing on wife guys, like, breaking bad, basically. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I guess I, I get where that was coming from now. So, old Ned cheated on his wife with a woman who apparently like the try guys would feature in some of their videos oh wow and so he got kicked out he ned and his wife have both like taken to instagram to release statements about how you know they just they ask for privacy and they want to work on their marriage and all this stuff it's always so weird when something like that happens with uh people you follow yeah, it's like, kind of not like, that it, that these things don't happen, but like, it really sort of sort of throws into stark relief how intertwined people's personal lives are with these like uh, social uh, platforms. Yeah, like uh, what's that comedian John? What's his face? John Mulaney. Yeah, John Mulaney. Um, yeah, like how villainized he became when he and his wife split up. Right. Because like a big part of his set was how much he loved her, right? Yeah, that was a big that was a big part of it. And and so he like he just became like so villainized when they broke up and then he got with Olivia Munn and they had a baby and it was a whole thing and like I don't know, I don't hear anybody talk about him anymore. Unless yeah, it's it, referring to him cheating, or not cheating on, but him leaving his wife. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe, maybe there's an element of lying low. I know he was 
in rehab, so I'm sure there's like plenty of other stuff he's dealing with on top of that. Yeah. But I don't know, man. Yeah, it's it, it's a whole it's a whole deal. It's a whole That's deal. That's why I like books. You don't gotta well, okay, you gotta worry about authors plenty, but generally speaking, like they don't get up by and large they don't get up True. to as much business. But that brings me to another point. We are gonna talk about books, I promise. Um Okay. I got I saw on Book Riot in one of my Book Riot newsletters this week. Um yes. Like, the Amazon, I guess, like, board or whatever, or trustees. I don't know. The people who are kind of, like, over the Kindle part of it. Yes. They are revising their return policy. Okay. Because before, you could buy a Kindle book and then return it within seven days, no questions asked, for a full refund. That's messed up. It is messed up. Because, obviously, if you get a refund, the author is not getting that money. Right. And if you are a very fast reader, like I am, you could read a book within seven days, no problem. Oh, sure. And so, what Amazon, or like what the Kindle people have decided to do is, you know, they they have access to your data. If you buy a book and have it downloaded to your Kindle app, they have access to your data. Yeah. They will only accept a return no questions asked we'll refund your money if you have read less than 10 percent of the book within the seven days yeah if you have read more if you have read more than 10 percent of the book within seven days you have to and you try to return it you have to go through a much more extensive uh return procedure yeah i don't know even that seems pretty like generous I, maybe it's just a result of like us coming up in the dark ages of the internet, but uh, I feel like any return policy on like a digital good just feels weird. Yeah, because it's like now, the entire point of buying it digitally is that like you're sacrificing the tangibility of it with like convenience. So I have returned digital products. But the reason why I have returned digital products or like like Kindle books is because I don't know, like my Amazon was acting up weird and it had me logged into like a different account that I don't ha- I don't know, like Amazon did something weird and apparently I bought a book but it didn't download to my Kindle and it was just kind of like floating around in the ether. So then when I finally figured out where it was, I was like, I'm ne- there's no way for me to access this book because it's not connected to my Kindle. So then I would return it. Well, well, that's understandable. But then I would usually just turn right back around, go into my regular Amazon account, and then repurchase it. Right. Oh, well. That's, that's, some, that's some stuff. I thought that was interesting. Because, I mean, if you no, read... No, I, I... You know, if it's a 300-page book and you read 30 pages, I think within 30 pages you know if you're going to like the book or not. Sure. Hmm. Hmm. Hold on. Uh-huh. Oh, gosh. Wow, that is ridiculous. I've got this uh, hangnail that just refuses to be bitten <laughs> off. I... Ew. <laughs> I thought you were trying to sneeze. 
Mm. Okay, I got it. Okay. It's not a bad thing. It's just like one of those little cuticle shards. I hate those. Yeah, I could. Pr I should probably use like uh, like trimmers or what have you. Yeah, I usually. I, uh, I, I'm, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I usually I, I use my teeth sometimes too, but I usually try to go in with nail clippers. You know, I don't bite my nails. That just it's those little bits that look like they would hurt real bad if they got torn off. Right. Yeah. Uh, did I tell you I got a sty on my eye? Not my eye. My I eyelid. hate those. Yeah, it's not too bad. I think it's mostly on the exterior. Yeah. So uh, it's not like irritating my eye too bad. And so, I think it's starting to go down, but it was just... So there is this girl on TikTok. She's from Australia. And mm -hmm. she has a sty on her eye. And she, I mean, the, uh, it, it has not gone away. She's that she's giving it a name. So right right now, like Polly, that's the name of her sty, is just like hanging yeah. around. She's been to the optimal. I don't know. She's been to the eye person, the eye doctor, like yeah, two or three times to have it lanced, and it just keeps coming back. Oh, that's rough. I mean, it's awful. I feel so bad do for they, her. Do they know what's what the problem is, or is it just like pers a particularly persistent sty? I think this particular sty may, I don't know, it may have developed into like a cyst and, but because of its location, it's not like they can dig around and like get all the pieces of it. Oh man. Cause a sty is basically just a virus. Okay. But, but I've uh... gotten styes and I, I hate them. They're, they, they're uncomfortable and they're annoying. Oh, sh oh, definitely. Yeah. It almost feels like... Uh, you, uh, at first, I thought it was just like a uh, uh, eyelash that had gotten up in there. Yeah. And I guess maybe like some follicle or something getting infected could be the, res like, the cause of it. Could be. Yeah. Hmm. But other than that, I've been okay. Good. Yeah. And uh, ready to talk book? Yep. Okay. We have a challenge to discuss this week. Yep. Uh, last month I assigned Elizabeth to read Pale Fire by Vladimir Nabokov. Yep. And uh, did you complete it? Yes. You did? Okay. I did. As did I. I just Yay. finished it today. Awesome. Me too. Yeah, I uh, after work I went to Starbucks. I used my uh, points to get a a uh, apple crisp mocha latte or whatever, and and uh, just knocked out the last thirty five pages or so. All right. Yeah. Did you read the? Did your vote uh, edition come with a glossary? Uh, like in the very no, back? no. Okay. Because my version came with one, and the way that it's written, it almost feels like it's intended to be part of the text. Okay. But, uh, but regardless, um, yeah. So, uh, do you want to tell people what uh, Pillfire is about? Um. Well, that's a very good question. Oh. Okay. Uh. uh so. I, I will tell, so I read it, 
<laughs> but but I feel like that that is a that is a more difficult question to answer than uh, one might think. So I will say what I think it was what 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 it, you are led to believe it's about. Sure. So basically, there's this professor, Kimboat Kimbote. Charles Kimboat. Kimboat. Okay. So there is uh, this professor, Kinboat, and he is talking about um, this other author whose name is Shark? John Shade. Shade, Shade. And so he's talking about Shade, and Shade is famous, or I guess the particular work of Shades that he's talking about is this poem that he wrote out on index cards that's like kind of autobiographical. Yes. And so he's like... I have, you know, he initially, like, in the first part, which is presented as the foreword, um, he talks about, like, his relationship with Shade and how he kind of got his hands on the manuscript and, like, what the purpose of the commentary is. And so you're like, you go into it and you're like, okay, so Kimbo is going to talk about this poem and he's going to explain the poem. And then you read the poem which I thought was a very good poem. Yeah, And then you get to the commentary and that's not what it's about at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, is that, that's pretty good for a overarching, uh, summary. Okay. At least sort of opening things up. Uh, you talked about liking the poem. I, I enjoy the poem itself too. I feel like a lot of the strength of the book as a whole is, that sort of thing with any work of fiction about art where mm-hmm. you have to be convinced that a certain piece of art that the uh, work is putting forward as being especially brilliant yeah, like, has to live up to that because oftentimes if you're watching a movie or a TV show and somebody's talking about some great artist and then you see the art that they make and it's just like whatever yeah. so I think that the fact that uh, Nabokov was himself both a novelist and a poet. Yeah. The fact that he's able to construct a sufficient work for to hang a series, uh, a narrative on. Yeah. Is uh, to is to the book's credit, and it's sort it's rhyming. It's like, uh, like iambic pentameter, like rhyming couplets. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I I didn't know. I tried reading it more like prosaically, so rather than like pausing on line breaks, I just sort of like tried to read it naturally according to like sentence structure. Yeah. Because after a while, like having every line like rhyming like that just felt like weirdly sing-songy. Mm-hmm. And it, and it almost made it harder for me to take, like, the content of the poem seriously. But then, like, once I started reading it more naturally, uh, it, it, it sort of felt more resonant. Yeah. I, um, like, when I was reading the poem, I kind of felt about the poem the way I did. Oh, gosh, who was that? Who was that poet we read in high school? I think it was Yates. Oh, yeah. 
Because, like, I remember distinctly, like, reading Yeats's work, and I would, and you would get into these poems where, like, it kind of rhymed, and you would kind of get into this rhythm of, like, oh, okay, and you'd get, be in this rhythm, and then, like, I don't know, it was like a wrench got thrown in there, because, like, the rhyming pattern got off, or the rhyming pattern stayed the same, but it was rhyming words that, like, we as Americans were not familiar with that pronunciation. Oh, sure, you get that. So... I felt that way with this poem. Like, I would get into a rhythm, and then it would, like, get knocked off course. Yeah. Um, Which is always interesting when that happens. Yeah. So, let me take you you through my uh, emotional journey. Oh, with the book? With the book. Um, Okay. My, one of my earbuds is about to die. I'm going to take it out. It might hang up on you. Okay. Hey, hey, two for two. Two for two. Um, it's always the right one, too. Oh, well. So, so you were saying? So I was saying about my emotional journey with the book. So I start reading the foreword, and I'm like, wow, the, <laughs> wow, the narrator's a douche. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. And then I start reading the poem, and at first I'm like, okay, not what I expected. And then I'm reading the poem, and I'm like, oh, this is good. Like, this is really good. And then I got to the commentary, and it's just like, WTF. <laughs> yeah. So it's, I went it... in, like, like, very, very skeptical over the quality of the poem, which I think is what made, like, the fact that it is so good very jarring for me and then i went immediately right back into what well, like what the heck man yeah this is very much a i think the most daring comedic conceit is that sort of juxtaposition and uh yeah it's it's interesting there's a lot like a lot of different genres wrapped up in all this yeah it's like you've got sort of the more grounded and humanist sort of nature of the poem itself and certain autobiographical incidents like as depicted in the book but then by and large it's almost like like genre fiction by turns Uh uh-huh you've got you've got like uh like sort of like palace intrigue and uh cross-country like escape adventure you've got like like spies and assassins traveling around countries and stuff yeah and it's so like heightened and obviously by the end of the book i think a lot of the questions that you're left with sort of throw that element of the narrative into like more relief mm-hmm. so like i guess i can go ahead and ask this do you buy into any of thing anything that the commentary like from its perspective was looking to convey not even a little bit oh yeah so not, you're very not much even in the camp bit. of you're very much in the camp of the narrator basically being a fraud yes yeah did you i um i say i recommended this book because uh a youtuber i follow philosophy tube uh-huh. had made a video recently about the nature of art and they cited the um, pale fire as an example of like death of the author and stuff like that yeah 
Yeah. So, uh, so there, that was just, uh, sort of the impetus for me to finally, I've had this book on my shelf uh, for mm-hmm. a while because of, I own several of Nabokov's works that I just sort of picked up on a whim at one point and then was like, well, I'll read them when I get around to them. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I'm fi- I'm really glad. I think this is making me really want to check out the rest of it because, uh, it, it's a lot more like broadly entertaining even for how like flowery the prose can be the prose was you know what the prose was what set me off that kimbo was a fraud full of it yes i'm like if you are if you if you if your vocabulary is if this is what your vocabulary is you're trying to cover something up yeah i get that and uh yeah, and it really does become more and more apparent as the story goes on. But, uh, I don't know. There's times when you almost feel like he he almost, like, like against his, uh, in spite of himself, like, manages to endear himself to the reader in parts. Yeah. But then, like, he'll have these, like, more conceited moments shine through, and then you're just like, oh, yeah, no, this guy kind of sucks. Yeah, and, oh, what was that character's name in um, Lincoln Highway? Oh, yeah, oh, oh, wow. Yeah, I totally um, am blanking on those names, too, but I get I get who you mean. You get you get who I mean? Yeah. The, the, uh, yeah. the, the main antagonist. Right, yeah. Yeah. He, he's sort of uh, in a similar vein, though. I think uh, not as, like... I guess self-deluded or like uh, uh, Charles being more self-deluded rather right yeah like the the whole conceit of his character is that he's totally like divorced his understanding of reality Mm -hmm. to the point that he's almost like seemingly concocted these alternate personalities to carry out the roles of his story yep and I was actually kind of surprised that at the end of the book that it kind of, like, fesses up to that. Like, mm-hmm. he's, like, finishing off his commentary with kind of, like, vague allusions to the potentiality of people, like, claiming that such and such is the case. Mm-hmm. And that's about, like, the most that the book ever tips its hand as to the reality of what's going on. Right. Right. But, uh... I don't know. I like. I find those like that whole like blatantly fictional element to be just as engaging as anything else. Just because I like I appreciate sort of like that kind of historical fiction. Yeah. Like, just on a purely visceral level. Can you so, really call it historical fiction if the places are made up? Yeah, I don't know. I guess not. <laughs> but it's got that air to it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, have you ever read uh, Lolita? No. No. Have you ever seen the film? No. No, me neither. I, uh, because that's obviously, like, Nabokov's most famous work. Yeah. But, uh, and I think he even references it here in the book. Like, there's some, like, he refers to some hurricane as Hurricane Lolita. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, a part in the commentary where like Charles doesn't get the reference 
Mm. Like, he wonders why somebody would, like, invoke that name. Yeah. And it's all, and I, I wonder if that's supposed to be, like, a, a hat tip to the author's previous work. I mean, I, can't I would think that. so, because, like, after I started reading this book, I, like, looked up some information, you know, just kind of, like, what was going on in his life around it. And because Lolita came out prior to this book, and Lolita was what set Nabokov up to be financially independent. Right. So that he could write this book. Um, it almost made yeah, it, the, what I read, almost made it sound like this was kind of like a pet project. Okay. Um, that makes that makes sense. So, I mean, it you know, for him to tip his hat to Lolita would make perfect sense because the financial stability that that book brought him allowed him to create Pale Fire. Yeah. Or gave him, like, I guess the, the creative freedom to do that instead of just trying to find the next thing that would sell. Sure. Yeah, although, by all accounts, this book was fairly successful. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess, uh, I think he wrote this book, or it was published at least, while, like, after he moved to Switzerland. Mm-hmm. But, um, I know that, like, basically from the 40s to the 60s is when he lived in America, and that's sort of when he started making a name for himself. Yeah. Though he'd been writing before that, so he certainly seems like a like an interesting dude. I'd like to check out maybe some of his. I think he's got like a good swath of autobiographical writing mm -hmm. that I think it'd be worth looking into. Okay. Yeah, so that might be worth a, that. That'll probably be a project I work on at some point. But uh, did you have any other? Uh, thoughts about uh, Palefire? I guess the only thing was in the foreword Kim Vogt talks about like his recommendations for how to I guess consume the commentary yes like, he wants he, you to read the commentary along with the poem rather than reading the poem and then the commentary or even to cut out was it cut out lines of the poem or cut out pieces of the commentary and, like, glue them into place? Yeah, he, he makes various allusions to, like, wanting the poem and his commentary of it to be, like, people's primary means of exposure. Rather yeah. than, like, having it exist as a supplement. Right. Right. And so I was all set. I had set myself up for it to be like, okay, so in terms of, like, reading this, this is going to be like that. I know I've talked about this on the show, the um, the qualitative study, Troubling the Angels, where they talk about, where uh, the researchers um, conducted, like, focus groups and interviews and stuff with, uh, with females who had contracted HIV. Uh-huh. Um, because in the interview portion, the subjects interviews and then the researchers' analysis of those interviews are written concurrently on the page. Huh. With the interview above and the comment and the and the notes or the reflection of the researchers at the bottom. Okay. I don't think And I've, then all I've, of that's interspersed with like these little like 
informational snippets about about HIV, whether it's scientific or it's social or it's historical or whatever. Okay, I've never. I'm not sure I've heard you talk about this. Oh, okay. I feel like I've talked about it on the show. Um, we had to read it for one of my qualitative research classes in grad school, and I just remember I got a lot of brownie points because I, I talked about the aesthetic presentation of huh. how the researchers chose to present their findings. Okay. Because the because uh, like we had to write like a group paper. Which was weird. Oh yeah. For um, grad school. And I remember the people in my group being like, I hated the way it was presented. I hated the I hated the way this was published because it was so hard to like figure out what was going on. And then I was the one who spoke up and was like, Well, for aesthetic reasons, this is what the researcher wants you as the consumer to feel because can you imagine what these women having contracted HIV in a world where they weren't supposed to be able to feel. Hmm. And I got a lot of brownie points for that. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds like we've both really enjoyed Pale Fire then. I did. Yeah. You know, I got to say like, I, because I have always been very much about like modern fiction, like, like pre- present day or within my lifetime um, sure. fiction. And I have been really impressed with like some of your like mid-century picks that you have chosen. Yeah, I'm happy to hear it. So. All right. Well, uh, not to give the game away, but we won't be checking out something of that milieu with our next reading challenge. Okay. But, uh, before we get into that, I guess you want to talk word totals? Sure. So, right. I only read this book. Yeah, same. I got I got to do better. Um So, so uh, the yeah. word total for this book was 94,848 words, which brings yeah, my Yeah. Which brings my total to 6,729,661 words, which puts me at 67% of my word total from last year. Nice. Uh, and I, uh, uh, it bumped me up to 3,741,616 words, which puts me at about 84% of my word total for last year. Dang, you were kicking my butt when it comes well, to you're the, my still, own words against me. You're, you're, you're still outpacing me in like raw numbers, so no need to fret. I'm about 10 books behind on my reading goal. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of the stuff in my, like, currently reading stack, if I knocked it all out, I think would take a good-sized chunk out of that. Uh-huh. I just need to get out of the habit of just focusing exclusively on whatever our next challenge is going to be. Right. So, but uh, that, obvi- that, once again, obviously, that'll be something I'll have a lot more room to do- work on. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, now on to the next challenge we've got. Uh, Last episode, you assigned us to read Luckiest Girl Alive, which is being adapted into a Netflix film. Yep. And in the spirit of uh, oncoming adaptations, I want us to read Mickey Seven by Edward Ashton. It is a sci-fi novel that is currently being adapted into a feature film by Bong Joon-ho. Oh, cool. 
Wait, is yeah, that, that the guy who did Parasite? Yeah. Yeah, oh. it's like his big follow-up. Okay. Yeah, and it's a English language production, so it's kind of like uh, he did Okja and Snowpiercer. Yeah. Which are both like largely English language films. Yeah. So that it'll be his like return to uh, English language productions. I will. Have you seen Okja? It's the one of his films that I have not. Well, I, okay, I haven't seen his earliest film, which is called uh, uh, "Dead Dogs Don't Bark" or something like that. Uh huh. And um, I saw like I started watching it, but I never finished it. And I haven't seen Okja, but I've seen everything else. Okay, I was about to say because Okja, I have not seen Okja, but it looks heartbreaking. Oh yeah, that's so. I don't want to watch it unless I know it has a happy ending. Right, but I've got it on the Criterion edition, so. So okay, so you watch it and you let me know if it has a happy ending, and if it doesn't, then I'm just not gonna watch it. Okay, that sounds fair. But you will be assigned to read Mickey Seven. Mickey Seven. Okay, gotcha. By uh, Edward Ashton. Gotcha. I can do that. Sounds like a plan. And uh, you think we'll be getting up to any bonus recordings next week? What with us being in the same place? We may. Yeah, I, I think we might be able to come up with something. Yeah, we can come up with something. At the very least, we'll be able to get our viewing in of... Um, what's the of, name uh, of the luckiest, Netflix film? Uh, luckiest Girl Alive is premiering, or at least last I heard, it's premiering October 7th, which is next Friday. And it's the same uh, title? Yeah, it's the same title. Okay, for some reason I thought you said it was under a different name, but no, that checks um, out. No, it's under the same title, and it stars Mila Kunis. Oh, Mila and Kunis. I'm pretty, and I'm pretty sure it's been executive produced by Reese Witherspoon. Okay. Yeah, I think I remember you mentioning that. So I look forward to checking it out. Yeah. And uh, thank y'all for checking us out. Once again, this has been Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast. Elizabeth, why don't you let the folks know where they can find us? You can find us on our social medias at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Literally Club um, at Your Words Podcast. You can also find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com. And you can send us a comment, question, or recommendation to yourwordspodcast at gmail.com. Alrighty, and with that, another episode in the tank. It's been a good time as always. Yep. And uh, till the next time we, you hear from us, just know that we said goodbye. Goodbye.